My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Karen Stowarki. Karen is the founder of Spark Leadership Partners, and she uses what she calls a top-down and bottom-up approach to coaching that reflects her deep belief in the integration of all parts of ourself, from our thinking self, to our feeling self, to our physical self, and our energetic self. This integration enables an open-hearted leading and living, a way of being in the world that creates the conditions for maximum impact and fulfillment. Karen has a list of accolades and experience that is simply too long to list here. But suffice it to say that she is considered by many to be one of the top coaches and leadership thinkers in the world. And she's been doing this work for over 20 years. And a lot of times when people hear the word leadership, they think of something stereotypical, something about the charismatic leader, the sage on the stage, the person who has all the answers. But Karen comes from a place of deep curiosity and deep soulfulness. She's helping leaders across industries become the people they are meant to be so that everyone that they work for and work with and serve, every client, every customer, every colleague, every employee, can show up to their work lit up with purpose and passion. So we have a really fun conversation here and dive into Karen's approach of understanding the inner life of a human being and how that inner life can be expressed in the form of meaningful leadership. So let's get settled in. and hear what Karen has to share with us. Hi, Karen. Good morning, Andy. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. It's so exciting to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's such a treat. People will have heard your intro, but I want to share what moved me to invite you on the show. We've had a chance to share space a few times now, including a week studying uh, together at the Next Practice Institute with Mobius Executive Leadership. And what struck me and continues to strike me about you is you're someone who can stand in what we might call executive spaces, uh, corporate leadership spaces, with complete confidence. And then in the same breath or in another context, really connect to your creativity, your intuition, so you seem to hold these, what, what I think many people experience as, as polar opposites, you seem to hold and integrate them in a really authentic and beautiful way. And I'm excited to invite people into that today. 
Thank you. I'm excited to share hopefully something that will be of help and inspiration to others. Yeah. I'm wondering if we could start with the story of how you came to set out on your own as, as a coach and a facilitator and consultant. Um, there's something for me in what I've heard about that story so far that speaks to the to a deep longing that I sense many people have, which is to do work that feels authentic and purposeful to themselves um, and not simply do work just because they're good at it or they get awards for it or they make a lot of money for it. But actually, and all of those things are great, get them, but to have underneath this real sense of walking and living your truth. And I get the sense that you are doing that. And that also, you didn't just, that didn't just happen overnight, that you kind of had to find your way into that. I'm wondering if that's a good place to start. Absolutely. Um, it has been, it wasn't overnight and it's been a journey that continues to unfold. So what I'll do is tell you a little bit about the origin story. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of planting the seeds um, that have sprouted along the way that's actually in some cases took me time to discover them Mm. um so when you think about the context of nature versus nurture who i am in this moment is a combination of both so my family has uh, my parents um, have a very strong orientation towards caring and serving others my father's motto is um service above self Um, and my mother, well, not having a phrase that she would tell me, um, had a very similar orientation as well. So two humans who continually gave to others in their life, whether it was in their families or at work, it was always about extending themselves to help others. So that was very much part of our family ethos and the environment Mm -hmm. that I grew up in, um, and I think that there's also an aspect of who I am that for that kind of that magnified that um, value orientation. I was got award in um, my junior year of high school. It's funny because I don't remember what the award was called, but um, the I remember what the headmaster said is that the fragment from his talk about me was that Karen is always caring and always sharing. And it still sits with me today, so many decades later, which was, what did, who was I (laughs) in that such that someone would discern that of me? Um, And it's something I actually keep coming back to because it wasn't intentional. It was just me being me. Mm. And so I think the marrying of kind of who I am with the context in which I grew up basically had created this um, powerful force within me. Which was to, which is to be of service um, to others and help others, and that journey then started thinking I would do so in the most traditional way, which was to be a doctor. So I really thought through high school that I was going to go into med, to med school, and then I discovered that mm, that's actually not the direction because I actually don't like cutting people open. <laughs> like, no, I can't do that. Not going to happen. And then I toyed with psychology and helping people through that modes and then worried because I had this sense of self, even at that age, that I had a really big heart and I was worried that I would take everyone's stuff in and not be able to leave it at the office, so to speak. So, you know, my path went down a different direction um, and into 
uh, management consulting, strategy consulting, which felt like to me a continuation of my liberal arts education in college to really explore what am I supposed to do in this life and and Mm. where does my path take me? And so um, the shorter version of the story is that in the unfolding of that over the subsequent kind of 15 or so years, my path took me to um, working and focusing on organization, um, focusing on leadership development, um, focusing on helping leaders navigate change and uncertainty in a way that brings an organization together in service of the highest levels of commitment and engagement and thereby producing unexpected results and performance. Mm -hmm. But this really deep belief that there is a much greater untapped potential that exists when human beings actually come together. And if you believe that, you open your eyes to see it, you appreciate it, and you unleash it, amazing stuff can happen. Mm -hmm. And so that was in the context of helping organizations to grow or scale or change is kind of what that approach is. So my service then became, how do you actually make work not work? You know, how do you really think about a new paradigm for organizations, one that could be fulfilling to all that um, are a part of it and members of those, that community? Um, and yet, I think for me, it felt still um, not as close in, like it felt, still felt kind of abstract. And so the change happened when I was, um, was a senior partner at a big consulting firm and lead, helping lead an organization practice around the world and had some other um, important leadership roles in the firm. And yet I wasn't feeling, there was kind of this emptiness inside of me, which is just like, yes, I'm actually helping. And I know the work that I'm doing is important. And I know the work is being done in a way that's giving organizations a different way to navigate the path. And yet there was just something that was, that didn't feel, um, that didn't feel like it was, this isn't it. It just, that's like, that's the way I'd probably describe it. It wasn't, this isn't it. And I think this pursuit of, I want to help in a more, in a more direct way. Um, And I think for me, it's knowing that um, in some way I had some kind of, some sense, some gifts that I was graced with and that developed over time, which had a specific intention. And I knew I needed to unleash it into the world, and I had no idea how, but I just Mm -hmm. knew that wasn't it either. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that led to kind of this seven-year journey of exploration and resigning from that position um, and walking away from it. I took a leap because I had no idea what was next. I just knew that that I needed to... um, crack something open in a big way and take a big leap and see where it led me. Um, and that journey had false starts within it. It had um, me walking down paths because I was paying attention to some of my should parts <laughs> instead of yeah. my heart part. Um, and, and, and kind of you know, thinking about, well, I should do this or the expectations, yeah. you know, it's like I should have that kind of job or I should be working there because, you know, I've got all these credentials. And so that's what a person with all these credentials should do. And it's just like, no, actually not at all um, because it wasn't resonant with who I am and what I really, really care about. And so it was only in the walking through some pretty significant valleys during that seven-year period, um, and as well as some important peaks as well, that I was able to really put my finger on essentially coming back to full circle 
of me in high school thinking about what I really wanted to do, which was to help people, um, to help individuals kind of see all they are Mm. and step into all they are. There Mm. is such incredible beauty and magnificence within each of us. And in some cases, we, we are afraid to look at it. We don't believe it. Um, and, and by owning all of that beauty and power of magnificence, can we actually, um, uh, you know, kind of unleash that into the world and therefore do extraordinary things? Because in being our authentic self, amazing stuff happens. Um, and so in some ways, I couldn't do the work I do now at 21 years old, even though it's probably, you know, what I, the, the path that I had been thinking about because I hadn't evolved in my own relationship with myself mm. to be able to be the instrument to help people um, on that own journey. And part of that for me, Andy, is about how do I create the condition and the environment and context so that when someone steps into a conversation with me, um, they feel supported and seen and heard and then can actually begin that journey themselves. And I certainly wasn't there 20 years ago. Um, (laughs) I want to underline, I want to make sure we, let's answer that question for folks who are listening. How do you create the environment conditions? So I want to put a pin in that. Like let's, Mm -hmm. let's circle back to that. I think that's so important. Yeah. Um, But you said, I want to also underline for you something I'm finding quite beautiful, which is you, and you still remember it to this day, your headmaster saw you as a person who was caring and sharing. And that stuck with you. That was like some sort of North star that another person saw to be true for you. And you, and as soon as you heard it reflected back, yeah, that's right. What What a wonderful gift. And now here you are 20 plus years later, have essentially making a living doing that for everyone that you work with, helping see in them what maybe they haven't yet seen themselves or, or haven't yet put language to, or haven't yet put action to. And I just am really moved by that. The power for one person to be a mirror for another. And in that produce a a 20 plus year journey that you've been going on. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is quite magical actually. Yeah, so let's talk about that magic. You, you've reached a place now where you're doing, um, how, how would you, before we answer the question you asked, how do you make uh, a space, an environment uh, where someone can show up and tap into their own power? Yeah. Can you just say a sentence or two, like how would you describe your work to someone who you're encountering for the first time? Um, like what are the, some of the headlines that you use that might make people be more curious? I want to know more about that. Um, so I'm an executive coach and thinking partner um, to leaders around the world and leadership teams um, in navigating the path of uncertainty towards what they most want yeah. and who they most want to be. Yeah, nice. And so someone says, that sounds like exactly what I need right now. Please help me figure out who I want to be. <laughs> now there's a space for, for you to have a conversation or, or a journey with them. What are some of the elements that you're thinking about that that make simply s- sitting down with you and, and entering into that conversation? What what are the environmental stuff, the body language stuff? Like, how are you creating that transformative space for people? Um. So some of it is 
unconscious and some of it's sub, you know subconscious. I think part of it for me is um, first is is owning all that I am, mm-hmm. um, and so a very grounded for me a very grounded sense of self and looking at myself and all of my perfection and my imperfection and and loving all of that. This is who I am, and that has been my journey over the past seven years to be able to get to that point in that moment. Because then I am showing up in this place of centeredness, connectedness, authenticity, and love. Because we can't love another if we don't actually love ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that is not something I consciously think about now as I go into a conversation, but it's definitely been the, my, my journey mm-hmm. and my sense of self. And I think in knowing that, it's like I don't have to prove anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. It's not about whether I'm going to say something smart or ask the right question. I have a very deep belief that whatever needs to be said, whatever needs to be asked, will come to me in that moment because it's trusting that very deep, intuitive wisdom um, and that that will come forward at exactly the right moment. And that's what happens. And it's, um, and so, and um, so that's part of it. Andy is just kind of taking care of myself, you know, kind of how I see myself first. Um, It's getting ready for the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, so there's that part and I want to unpack that and we'll hear, I hope we'll hear the other parts too, but I feel like there's there's a, there's wisdom in here for folks who might be listening. Um, I imagine that there were things standing in the way of you either intentionally or unintentionally being able to really trust yourself and love yourself. And we talked about the seven year journey. So can you share in whatever way you're comfortable, what were some of the things, maybe they were high standards, maybe it was an inner critic, maybe it was the shoulds that you mentioned earlier. How did you work with what was getting in the way of you simply accepting you and all of your perfection and imperfection all at once? Sure. Um, so there's a couple of things that actually kind of came together. Um, I have a part of me and I call her with the greatest love, the perfection princess. Uh, <laughs> it's actually something that many women um, in various names and forms um, dance with over the course of their lives that we are predisposed to. And um, she had a very powerful hold um, on me for the vast majority of my life journey, um, and driven towards being perfect in all forms and fashions. Um, and, uh, there was so much, but the, the, or her orientation is very extrinsic. So it's towards the expectations that others would have. It's where worth is determined by someone outside of me and not me. Um, who's very keen on sensing judgment or disappointment. Um, and so there was always this eye open towards how am I actually being received? What does that person want? How do I shape myself into being what that person wants or expects? And holding myself to an incredibly high standard um, in every aspect of my life. Like, I, you know, the, my, my biggest critic is me. Like, I... Mm-hmm everyone would say like, that's good enough. I'm like, no, it's not. Like there's always, there was always a level that I knew that I could take it to that was really in service of the greatest impact. So it it was, it had this really interesting flavor to it of like, in order to give my best, it has to look like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my tango with her was really understanding um, what drove her and um, 
and appreciating some of the aspects of, of why she why she was so powerful and, you know, then rooting that back to some things that happened when I was six and seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I have another part of me who I call the professor who is always a, who's also a very wonderful part. Um, and uh, you kind of think about him as this really, um, uh, you know, kind of um, uh, large man <laughs> who wears crimson robes and, and, and a typical kind of cap and gown. And he's kind of, he has these magnificent presence and he's got a huge giant brain and things like that. And so the professor was always, you know, kind of um, driving me as well in terms of um, my intellect and my um, experience and expertise and proving that to the world as a, in, in part in conjunction with this perfection princess to kind of get valid, this kind of validation stamp by whom I have no idea, but that was the other thing that chased me, which is the amorphous, I call them the invisible day. Mm. So like people mm. think I should do this or people think I should have that or people think that should be my resume. People think I should drive this car. I'm like, who are these people? They are no one in my life. And like <laughs> I have this running commentary between the perfection princess and the professor who are guiding me to the people people think. And I'm like, but there is no one in my life who's actually saying that to me. Uh. Um, and so it was... The, you know, understanding those parts of myself and how they came to focus in that way and how it served me, it, it certainly did um, for most of, for much of my life journey and moving me forward and driving me um, uh, and and pushing me in different ways that I wouldn't have gone otherwise. And yet there's this, with every strength, there is shadow and there are, there are strong shadows to those parts of myself. Um, so it was, it was really unpacking them and helping to release a lot of actually what they were carrying um, and why they did what they did, mm-hmm. why those parts of me actually drove me in those mm-hmm. ways. And, and, and another element of it, Andy, was actually to really listen to what people were telling me um, and receive it. You know, you often, um, it's almost like you, you always hear the criticisms and not the compliments. And so when I started to listen to what people said about their experience of me, it was just eye-opening um, in terms of that kind of feedback and compliments. And I'm like, really? Because in that moment, in that conversation, I was just like being me. Like there was no agenda. There was no worrying about what I should say or what I should ask, all of that kind of stuff. I was just showing up. And what I realized is when I was actually just showing up, amazing stuff happened. Mm. And so mm. when I had kind of these string of conversations where and I reflected on them and said, wow, like I wasn't doing anything. I was just being that, that was a big shift for me to kind of like, I have to do, or I have to prove to, I can just be, and in just being me, all this stuff comes to the surface that um, is truly um, magnificent and magical and creates exactly the kind of impact that I wanted to create, which I was trying so hard to consciously do before. And so to move from that strain and effortfulness to just this ease and flow, um, that was another part of this shift. So, you know, do I prepare for conversations? Absolutely. But, you know, the old Karen literally would script stuff. Like when I was doing presentations or whatever, like it would be a bulletproof script of what I would practice and rehearse it and rehearse it because the perfection princess and the professor were dominating. It's like, you've got to say exactly that and exactly the right way and show how smart you are, blah, blah, blah. 
And now it's like, I will look at it and say, okay, that's the direction we're going to go. And then it's just to walk in and show up. And it's just such a different experience for me and for those um, around me in that process. And so I think the other element that I would add to that, and I'll pause to see where you'd like to, what threads you want to pick up there are, um, is just to, um, there's no shame on any of those parts. Like there's just, there's love for them. So for me, it's to, see them for who, who those parts, who those parts of me are, um, and, uh, and just love them for what they've been trying to do, but, and love them for, um, what they want to do actually differently. Um, Mm -hmm. and so as I'm able to see all of my parts, and there's a whole lot more than those two, but as I'm able to just see them and, and just appreciate them and look at them and have compassion for them and help them actually shift um, how they show up inside of me so that we're all working on the same song sheet, so to speak. Um, I'm able to see the parts and others in, in an equal way, just with love and appreciation. And so that just creates this, I think this atmosphere of calm and caring um, and compassion where everything is okay. And it just, it is what it is. There's no right or wrong, good or bad. It just, it is. And so, um, so how do we understand what is and then just, and move forward from there? Yeah. I'm so glad we went down that, that path. There's a lot in there. I want to underline for myself and for anyone else listening that there's this wonderful gift that you can give. And again, I'm I'm connecting back to your head, your, your headmaster in the school who just, when someone sees something that's true in you, listen for that. Because all of us have, my perfectionist part, I call him the dazzling song and dance man. And it is exhausting. I really, really in the same way you tuned in, it's exhausting to be performing all the time. And then to miss a step and, and, and berate yourself for missing that step is exhausting. Yeah. But it's really fun to dance. <laughs> so, so like helping, helping us see that, the, that we can do all of this stuff that we love with a lot more ease and a lot more authenticity and that other people, the paradox that is so hard for us to connect with is that when we move from that place of ease and authenticity, the outcomes we're trying so dang hard to manage for become a lot more likely than if we're script, 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 routine, choreography, get it all right. I just love that you're love that there are enough wedges in the armor of the professor and the perfectionist to hear feedback and go, oh, that's happening when you two aren't over scripting every moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should look at that. Maybe we should look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So I just invite anyone listening to notice how you're probably relating to some version of what Karen shared about how hard we can be on ourselves. And Maybe go and ask someone you trust how they experience you when you're at your best and your most authentic versus when you're trying to be who they think you want them to be or say what you think they want to hear. And my sense is that just like Karen, you'll get some real great feedback about how when you are your authentic self, much more intimacy, magic, connection, creativity starts to happen. So it's really cool. And what just came up for me, Andy, and I'm going to, sh- to just share it because I think there's intention behind yeah. why it's come up, is that um, I think another key shift in my path, I'm just thinking about the professor in particular, um, 
and for me, it was part of it is me and my parts, but I think part of it was also me as a, as a female leader was, um, what I, you know, you mentioned in the context of my kind of executive presence and being able to command a room in that way. So part of it for me is who I thought I needed to be in order to be, to have the credibility and legitimacy. It's funny because this was all subconscious. It wasn't, I don't, it was, to my recollection, never something I deliberately thought about, like, wow, I've got to show up in this way in order to, as a woman, have my voice heard. Hmm. Um, But it was absolutely going on underneath the, you know, kind of underneath, underneath the surface. And so there was so much focus on the professor because it's like, okay, you won't look at my, you know, you'll ignore my gender if I'm actually sharing with you all the really smart stuff and insights mm-hmm. and observations mm-hmm. and like, wow, she's really smart. So she should, she deserves to be here kind of thing. And so it's really interesting how subtle that was mm-hmm. and, um, and how I moved into it. And so what that did though, is that I then disguised or hid my heart part, which is my, a magnificent, beautiful part of me. I mentioned it earlier, which is that um, I have a huge heart and I wear it on my sleeve. And I just, I mean, that's the always caring, always sharing piece of it. And I think there's a part for me is an element for me, which is that I can't show that part because then someone's going to think I'm too feminine and that they won't take me seriously if I'm all about love and things like that. And so that, but it, it came up because that's who I am. So in those moments of just being, being me, that deep kind of caring and, and compassion and empathy for others just appeared. And, mm. and it just, um, because it's part of my very fiber and my core. And so for me, it was this also this shift that happened of instead of um, stuffing that down, it's, it was actually embracing that and bringing that, that heart part of me, that, mm. that magnificent heart into the light and just mm. being fearless about, talking about it and sharing it and, and owning it. And um, that, I just talked to a friend of mine and said, you know, if I characterize it, the old Karen, um, like her brain would walk into a room first. So that was a professor and would sit down at the table and then like Karen, the body will walk in. And now the shift for me is like Karen's heart walks into the room first and then Karen follows. And so that, that move from, particularly the professor and I think professor in combination with the prediction, but like them truly dominating my presence to actually, that they're still there, but it's actually this, this heart that actually you feel first. And for me not to be ashamed of that, um, to be really proud of it. Um, and to, and to say that's actually necessary. It's, it's so necessary in, not even just in this moment in time, but just in the context of, um, creating the kind of impact that you want to have in the world, it's necessary to be able to, to sh- for me to show that. Yeah. And I mean, this is obvious to me and will be to anyone listening. It's not like your capacity for deep intellectual work has disappeared as a result of letting your heart shine. Like it, you're clearly a brilliant person and there's this grounding that's available that I imagine wasn't present when you were just living above the neck and when you were just letting the brain enter the room first. There's a sort of spaciousness that I'm experiencing right now. There's a calming. There's a real sense of, of purposeful intent that comes through. 
I think a lot of people are afraid that if, I mean, I'll speak as a man, like there is a subtler uh, shadow to what you described around, around the fact that we live in a, a highly masculine society, a highly hierarchical society, one that, that favors extroversion and what we might put in quotes, masculine identity or masculine moves. And that many men are afraid in our own way of letting our heart come in. And it might not be our brain that's always leading, but we're leading with other parts of ourselves that also dampen and minimize and mute that open spaciousness and groundedness. And I love that you're so comfortable working with both masculine and feminine and doing so in a context that is harder, as a, just harder as a woman and as a leader. You spoke to that really beautifully. So thank you for modeling that for everyone. And just one other a footnote on that, Andy, in terms of like from dropping of being led from my heart versus being led from my head. Um, absolutely, it, it speaks to what you just mentioned, which is I feel enormously creative like now. By, by living in that space, the, the, um, the intuitive creativity that has come forward is unbelievable. That's just, again, in this kind of like, I feel like it's this um, continuous fountain of ideas and insights and thoughts and perspectives mm-hmm. that like, I don't have to think about, like they just come. And so I think that, you know, has been such a wonderful, it's not that I wasn't creative before, but it's just the flow is like, it's unbelievable now. And the other thing I would just mention in terms of just, um, kind of stuffing or suffocating parts of ourselves is one other footnote on that is, um, I was told when I was doing informational interviewing when I was in college, I was talking with an alum of the school I was at, and I, he was talking about what it's like to work in business and stuff. And I think I laughed. Now, you won't probably hear me do this laugh on this podcast, but I have a, when I, when I really laugh, I have this incredible deep belly laugh that people have said, it's, it's joy personified, your laugh. Um, and he told me, you shouldn't laugh. He's like, it's not, you won't, it's not very professional. So you should just make sure that when you very much control that, when you're with, when you're in business and, and I've actually that, I remember stifling my laugh for actually a number of years, like holding it back and like, (laughs) you know, doing a little titter or something like that. Um, and, and then I grew less conscious of it and I just would laugh again, just because that was my, the evolution of my career. And it's also this notion of the number of people who will say, oh my God, I've missed your laugh or like, oh, I, I, you know, I love to hear your laugh. I have, I've had one client who said, can I just record your laugh and put it on my voicemail so I can keep listening to it? So it's this notion of that, that in my, in my laugh, there is this gift of joy. And I was, by denying that to myself in terms of who I thought I needed to be, I was denying expression of that joy to others. Yeah. Um, so that's just one other thing that kind of came up that I thought I would share. Right. And it's, and it's the shadow side of what we've been talking about in terms of we as people influence each other. And so you can have a positive influence like your headmaster or like you have as a coach and, and make space for the authentic stuff to come forward and see it and validate it and nurture it. Or because some part of you is uncomfortable by, you know, uh, you think you, things should be a certain way. You see someone else being a way that makes you uncomfortable. You want, you, you do want to dampen it. You want to shut it down. You want to close it off. And that's just a challenge that we all, many of us live with, particularly those of us who have a strong inner critic we want to please other people. And so we listen to that feedback. 
oh, I better not laugh. And so that's like the shadow side of the gift is that we also can, if we're not making space for other people, we might either intentionally or inadvertently be cutting them off from the very thing that is, that is their gift to share with the world. And I have a sense that for you, it's really, really important that when you're holding space with someone else that you, there's none of that, that like wherever they're at in their journey, they're a hundred percent welcome to be where they're at in their journey. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Which kind of brings us back to the place where I, I interrupted a bit, but you said like the first step is just love myself, trust myself, trust my inner wisdom, just show up. And, and you're doing that here in this conversation. And now I'm, I'm, now I'm, I'm, I'm your imaginary client sitting across from you. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just feel like <laughs> safe. I feel relaxed. What are the other parts of that journey? How do you then help someone? And perhaps that someone has been living for years with messages, with shoulds, with things they're not supposed to do or things they are supposed to do. How do you start to help them open now that you've showed up and done your work and you're trusting yourself? Well, one of it is what you just mentioned, which is wherever you are, you're at is exactly the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, because wherever we're at in their journeys, there's meaning and intention around that. And wherever we start is a perfect beginning. Um, so it's a notion of assurance and reassurance in that. Um, also, this notion of there is no right or wrong, good or bad. It just is. And that's, you know, it's the reality is something that we create in partnership mm-hmm. with our minds. And part mm-hmm. of what we're doing is just creating awareness of that. And it's really towards this question of what do you most want? Who do you most want to be? Where are you at now? And what are the shifts and changes that need to happen in order for you to, for that to be possible? And I, I'm a huge fan of Benjamin Sander. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and his, um, and Rosamund's uh, book, The Art of Possibility. And so I, I also encourage this notion of possibility, like that I deeply believe that anything really is possible. And it's our choice about whether we want to step into that possibility or deny that it's actually that it could exist. And so um, if we step into the space of possibility, which my thing is like, what's the downside of, of, of not, you know, of, 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 of doing so? to step into that possibility to imagine and dream and believe it by, by framing in that way, it it kind of unlocks people. Like there's this piece around, Oh really? Like um, to really think about, I remember this uh, one client um, who was on a super fast track to CEO. And I asked her, I was like, what do you, what do you want? And she looked at me and she's like, I've never thought about what I want. Like, Mm -hmm. like it was just like, I've never asked myself that question. Mm -hmm. And um, just, it was like this major pause to say, I don't know, like, let me actually, let me get off the train of what the, of the should, so to speak, and really think about what do I want and honoring what you want is, has value and merit because mm-hmm. it's, it's driven from deep within. Um, certainly for me, the, again, this is, is um, part of, um, I think a deep part of just who I am, but deeply listening um, and just creating that space of, um, really focusing on what that person is saying. Um, and for me, it's paying close attention to everything about how that expression happens, not just the words, but the tone and 
the body and noticing that back to people, observing, mirroring that back. Mm. Um, and often that is also that in that kind of gives the interruption to a kind of subconscious trance that are going on, which is, okay, you said you want that, but you actually didn't look at me at all. Or you, you know, put your hands up or it's just like, so what's going on there? So mm-hmm. for us to be able to kind of, for someone to feel like, wow, she's really noticing things. Um, and again, that's just part of holding the space for the person, but it, it enables people to really feel deeply hurt. And it's just, there's no judgment. This is not about what I want for you as, you know, Karen wanting for my client or, you know, believing what's possible. It's just honoring that what, what is it that you want and what you believe is possible. And the other thing for me is, um, it's a bit about the mirroring, but it's, it's to really listen to the stories that people tell and to be able to share back with them my experience of them. Um, uh, and for some people, it's just hearing someone else who in some cases doesn't know you very well. Some of these happen in my, some of my first sessions with clients and to hear that they are being experienced in some really powerful ways um, is very moving for them. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it, it's, it's for a lot of, it's really interesting, Andy. It's, a, I think now that I am articulating it, I think a big part of my work with clients is that shift from, from doing to being mm. and helping them to discover what is that being look like for them? What's the effect of that being? And how does that just being actually serve them in so much more unexpected ways than they're doing? Everyone's working so hard with so much effort and um, by down or just shift, I don't want to say downshift, but shifting into this state of being, there is so much that actually can open up and be unlocked. That's incredibly powerful. Mm. Mm. Can you say a few more sentences about how, what's the cue for you that someone has shifted into that state of being, or at least is starting to tune into what's possible if they do? Um, there's actually, they're not, there's, it's really interesting. I think a couple of, uh, what seem like, um, opposing thoughts. It's like, they're thinking fast and they're thinking slow. (laughs) It depends on the person. So this notion of like, when they're, when it's almost like when they're thinking part steps aside and I can just see, there's a way that I can sense it. Like they're shifting from their thinking part to their heart part. And so their language changes, their tone changes. And it just depends on the person of what that feels like. But it's like I can sense they're they're talking from a different part of themselves, um, and it and it may be you know it may be that their pace slows down. It may be that it speeds up um, because their the conscious part is moving aside, the analytical part is moving aside. The nature of their words changes. Um, they'll often say, "Well, I I haven't thought about that," or um, there'll be a side kind of the side commentary they're they're carrying on with themselves, like I haven't said something like this before, or something I've been feeling for a long time. So they're also tap into their feeling self. So the emotional self, it's the heart part, but just the full range of the emotion um, uh, will come more forward. So there's more of expression of that. Um, their body changes. There's just a, a, like, they're just like when they, instead of 
holding themselves in a way they're just there's a relaxing that happens you can just see mm-hmm. that they're um they're just they don't feel like they're moving out of the suit of armor that they feel like they need to move through the world with and it's just like oh i can just take it all off and it just happens and so you could just see the relaxation of the breath or the body happening um Or it actually can just be this moment of um, contemplation. Like suddenly there's just quiet and you can tell they're very in ease with the quiet, with the silence. Um, so there's a, it's a, a myriad of, of uh, different things. And I would say there's no um, a formula for it because it's going to depend on, on each individual. But those are the, some of the things that I would actually notice. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about, a number of people who work in high stakes, high stress roles who get lost in the doing and in some ways really give themselves over and give any sense of self over to the role. Like they become CEO or they become, uh, you know, they become surgeon, lifesaver. They become whatever it is that they, that the role demands of them. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting paradox that, that we, culturally put people like that up on a pedestal like your client who was on the fast track to that oh she's got something special get her get her into the ceo chair and it's just so remarkable to me that that we can be swept along like that for our whole life potentially decades at least and then there's this moment which you help people enter into and and they can have this realization that they've never thought a thought before (laughs) or they've never asked that question before and that then suddenly a whole field of possibility opens up it's almost like you're it's almost like you're just helping people see and walk through doorways they didn't even know were there does that resonate yes and something i would bring forward is that it's also about um the integration of self um because what i'll also see is um how they're how people think that there's, you know, it's their private self um, who shows up in their personal life. In some ways, the private self doesn't even show up to their families. It's like, this is kind of who I am in my context when I'm painting or jamming on my guitar or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this is the professional self. So it's literally like I put on my professional suit and walk out the door and this is who I need to be in the context of of this, you know, I'm now the CEO and this is who I kind of should be. This is the shoulds again. Um, And so it is part of, for me is helping to align and bring together all of those parts of themselves mm-hmm. because then they're really fully tapping into when all of those merge together, they're all present. They're just separate. And so when we look at them from a unity perspective, um, it's the, it's the, um, it's all of those coming together that can create real magic. I have, um, there's an individual who comes to mind who is, an incredible artist, like, um, who has a very, at least let me, has a very strong artistic and music, artistic eye and a deep appreciation for music. Um, and in being in that part of himself and showing up in his job as a CEO, um, he's, he's, he's quote, doing the role in a really different way. Mm. Um, and there's such, power to that because in some ways it's really unexpected mm-hmm. but there's power in it because he's doing him he's not doing the ceo you know mm-hmm. um and so that just creates closeness 
instead of distance. When I see people trying really hard to be who they think they need to be because I've now got the really big job, it can be, it's exhausting because you have to, it's, you mentioned performing. I've got to perform every day. And when you feel like you're leaving parts of yourself in the wings, um, it's even more exhausting. So the more that you can bring all of those parts together and be on stage and see how they actually all come together in service of what you most want and your greatest impact, it's just a whole lot easier. It's so much less effortful because then you're not protecting or pushing down kind of parts of yourself because, or, or um, shaming them, frankly, because they're not legitimate kind of in this context. So there's so much inner effort and energy that gets expended in that orchestration that if you actually let go of that role of being the conductor in that way and just letting those pieces merge together, just like beautiful music actually can get great. Oh, that's a lovely metaphor. And you speak to that yourself. You said earlier, as you started to tap into that, that effortless place of being, you felt more in flow, like tons more creative ideas started coming through. You felt like you could move through context. Like talk more about that flow state, that creative state. You, your parts are now playing in harmony mm-hmm. and it's effortless. How did that shift for you specifically? I'd love to hear that. And maybe so that people can get a real sense of what, what's possible if they actually work towards the kind of integration that you're describing. Um, so it's really interesting because just for me, it's as it's, just as I seek to honor other people and um, honor kind of who they are and the unique value and worth that they have in their contribution to the world. That's, that's what I had to do for my parts is just is Mm -hmm. look at them with the same eyes of love Mm -hmm. that they each have unique value and contribution. And um, some, you know, sometimes they were just working in their shadow instead of their light. So it's to appreciate and encourage um, all of those parts of myself to um, it's looking at the light side and say, how do we actually kind of really harness all of that um, in working together? And for me, it's actually, it was actually looking at, I actually have an orchestra inside of me. <laughs> like there's an orchestra of parts and they each play different, they each play different instruments. And um, part of that is I actually just have to create the space for them to come together and play. Like I actually don't have to do much. If you look at a conductor on the stage, it doesn't, all they're doing is like waving the baton. Like it's just like, everyone's just playing. And so it's yeah, like, like, I just have to, I don't have to, I don't, it's actually, it was for me, it was about giving up control. That was a huge part of it for me. It was like, I don't need to control them. Like they know what to do. Like the professor actually is really a genius. And like, if I just let the professor not worry about other stuff about how he needs to be showing up and the professor can just be the professor like boom like the i like the the connections between disparate ideas or thoughts or domains like just cart clicking and um and so for me it was about it was about seeing them in a different way creating the space to actually for them to be together and just stepping back and just saying like i love you guys like thank you for what you do and like let's make music together and just, and letting it go and letting what happens. So that's a big part of it. And the second part of it for me is, um, you know, I've, I have been on a spiritual journey, um, particularly so over the past 15 years um, and a pretty profound one over the past, I would say five or six. Um, And so another dimension of that was um, my, in addition to, 
kind of my inner world and my inner terrain that I was exploring and understanding was just this kind of connection to a, um, a benevolent force that is mm. greater than me mm. um, and feeling that that force is one of love mm. um, and is one that supports me at all times. So I am never alone. And so mm. stepping into that belief and that experience saying then if I am never alone and I am always fully supported and love for just who I am, then, you know, then any kind of, it, it brings this sense of just to be and, um, and that everything's good. Everything's, you know, um, and so that's been really powerful because if I'm loved for who I am, um, then I don't need to prove anything to anybody. And that's part of how I love myself and how I feel loved by, um, by you know, kind of the divine um, energy that I feel blanketed with, um, which is really powerful. I think the other piece for me, and it's a little bit of a tangent, but I just wanted to bring it up in this context and was to, to think about this connection. So in addition to the connection I feel and experience to... Um, this kind of loving and benevolent energy and force. I, um, I also experience a really deep connection in terms of two others. And mm. I think for me that, um, you know, that intellectually it's like, oh yeah, we are all human beings. Like, so we are, you know, all together on this planet for a reason. And, um, you know, just because we speak differently or look differently, like there's, we're all humans. So there must be some shared connection. So that was like this intellectual basic level of awareness had for a long time, Mm. but it was only through my work in, um, in really when my, my coaching work went global and I was working and working with executives from around the world, such diverse countries and experiences and to bear witness to um, and be privileged to witness actually their stories and their struggles and their hopes and their dreams. Mm. Um, it is so, it, it's become so powerful for me to say how common they all are. There's so much that we share as a human experience in terms of the hopes and the struggles. Um, and that has been incredibly moving for me to this notion of this belief that we are indeed all connected. Mm. Um, There is so much that we actually share together. And so I think for me, it has this been coming to this really profound realization of connection, my spiritual connection, my connection to all the parts in myself, um, my connection to my body, but my also connection at a pretty fundamental level to those who I coach, to those who I interact with, um, to see them as essentially just me in a different guise in some way mm-hmm. and, and the shared aspect of what we struggle. And so, um, you know, just because I look and I can say, I can see you in me and I can see me in you. And with that frame, it just creates a, this profound closeness that I feel in all aspects of my life instead of the distance that I had struggled with for so long. Mm. I'm really moved by that. Thank you, Karen. Mm. I feel like we could have a whole nother hour to talk about this next layer that you've opened the door for people, but the 
the underlying sense I have having spent not only this hour with you, but, but in other contexts is that the truth of what you're saying, that sense of connection, that sense of meeting someone right at the edge of who they think they are and inviting them to see that there's all sorts of possibilities, creative possibilities, purposeful possibilities that exist if they can slow down enough to be with you at that edge as opposed to going off and doing something else. Mm -hmm. So thank you for inviting people, inviting anyone who hears this into that place of connection, into that place of self-love and care. And my, my, my deepest wish for people is that all of us can live more from what you call the heart, from that real place of authentic presence. And I want to invite you to, as we, as we come to a close, sort of big overarching question, the whole reason I started this podcast, which we talked about a bit before we started recording, was to create a space where people can be in awe of the mystery of existence, can see a bigger field of time and space than we perhaps live in in our day-to-day -day lives you know, and we're in the midst of a pandemic right now. So a lot of what we take for granted is, is up in the air. But I'd love to hear from you in whatever way you feel called. What is your wish for humanity right now in this moment or, or writ large as we continue to move forward as a species? That the human spirit is magnificent. Um, and that each of us have the power and the potential and the possibility to create the world that we most want. And I define world really broadly mm. world as in my street mm. world as in my world in, as in the world. Mm. Um, and that, um, and that we actually can't do it alone. It is by coming together that that spirit can be unlocked and amplified and magnified. Mm. And for me, there are so many examples of that happening now and in this time where you see the power of the human spirit in individual action, but actually in collective coming together that is incredibly moving and incredibly powerful. And so I love to just stay in imagining this world where we look and we see that spirit in others, the magnificence in others, and that we come together in a much more kind of connected way so that we can individually and collectively unleash all that's possible within us. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I needed to hear that. Thank you, Karen. You're welcome. Beautiful. So hope maybe we can have a part two of the conversation where we dig deeper into connecting to that which is greater than ourselves and connecting to that spirit in others. But I really sense that people who hear this will, will find their way towards that in their, own, in their own way too, because there's just so much wonderful insight and wisdom that you shared. Thank you for that. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. For those who are listening and want to find more about what you're up to, what's the best place they should head to on, on the interwebs or elsewhere to find you? Uh, they should go to the, uh, my website, which is for Spark Leadership Partners. The website address is www.sparkpartnersllc.com. And uh, that has my 
lots of different kind of content and ideas um, and ways to connect with me on there. Beautiful. And I'll make sure to post that in the show notes so people can click away. Uh, but I'm just super grateful to you, inspired by you, and looking forward to the next time we can get into the Wonder Down together. Thank you. Me too, Andy. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serqua and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep the show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.